Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with the local station. Hello there, and thank you for joining us today. Happy 2024. We hope the podcast just explodes this year. So glad you could join us today. We have a lot to talk about. Of course, the subject of today's episode is the tragedy of the Von Erich family. With the release of the Iron Claw movie, you know, everyone is talking about the tragedy that is the Von Erich family losing five of their six children over the years. Um, we're going to explore that. Um, but before we do, I have a lot I want to talk about because if you're where we're at in Florida, in the Jacksonville area, we've got a lot of wrestling going on at the you know national level and the local level. I, I do want to mention here that's kind of important, um, and I kind of wanted to start the show with that um, by first talking about what's going on big coming up in just days here in Jacksonville. That would be AEW, All Elite Wrestling, uh, everyone from... Christian Cage, to uh, their new champ, Samoa Joe, to Adam Copeland, all going to be in Jacksonville. Let's put the image up on the screen. AEW Dynamite and AEW Rampage, their Jacksonville homecoming is coming to Daly's Place. They call it the homecoming because, of course, AEW is based here, and they started here, and they spent so many years through, or so much time through the pandemic at Daly's Place. Don't miss out if you're in Northeast Florida and want to go check out the show. Uh, AEW will be here January the 10th. Big show there. We, of course, will have full coverage of it, so want to get that out there. Another thing going on also in Jacksonville if you are in the area and seeing this before January 6th, I want to talk once again about the Duval Brawl with some good names there as well. Um, now, if you could put that on the screen, here's some details on the Duval Brawl. That will be in Jacksonville Saturday, January the 6th. Some good names there. Right at the top there, you see JTG, formerly of Time, uh, Crime Time. You see Victoria Crawford. You knew her in WWE as Alicia Fox. I, uh, Elijah Burke, a.k.a. DePope, friend of the show. Uh, he is putting this on, so do not miss the Duval Brawl coming up January 6th in Jacksonville. Don't want to miss it. Uh, so we, of course, are going to continue to monitor that big show coming to Jacksonville. And there's another thing. There's a lot going on in the wrestling world in the month of January to kick off 2024 here in Northeast Florida where we're at. And I'm excited to talk about this one because we're going to be doing a live podcast on January 19th for this event to talk more about River City Wrestling Con, which is this summer, but they're going to have a big announcement of their top guests, but they've already got some huge guests coming on so far. Let's talk about who's already on the card. Look at who's going to be in the River City in Jacksonville for Wrestling Con. Mick Foley, Amy Dumas, you knew her as Lita for so many years. 
uh, Al Snow, Sean Waldman, and those aren't even the big names that we'll be announcing live here on Going Ringside on January the 19th when they put out their big guests coming to uh, Jacksonville this summer. So right now, already some enormous names. Like, I don't know how much bigger you can get than Mick Foley, Lita, uh, X-Pac there, Sean Waltman, um, and of course, Al Snow. So already some big Great names coming, and we are going to be announcing some big ones live here on Going Ringside on January 19th. Don't miss our special live episode where we're going to be doing some announcements about River City Wrestling Con. But I wanted to get that out there now. January 19th is going to be a big day as we continue to monitor what's going on with River City Wrestling Con. But before we move forward in 2024... I want to take a look back at 2023 and some of the big episodes. So if you didn't know our story, we launched Going Ringside here on March 1st, 2023. We've been doing it about nine months now. The show, surprising to me, has grown dramatically in those nine months. I didn't expect we'd have the success or the guests that we've had. And I wanted to talk a little about them, about our top most downloaded episodes with guests I wanted to talk about our top 10 really quickly as we move forward into 2024. Let's put it on the screen, starting with our top five. So episode 16, if you want to go look at it, that was our live episode, and we just had a slew of stars. Ron Simmons, Tony Storm, Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, Brutus Beefcake, The Boogeyman even joined us. That was my favorite episode. That was by far our most downloaded episode with guests and just so many there. And then surprisingly, coming into the strong second, episode 19, that would be Abdullah the Butcher. Abdullah the Butcher, one of the legends around the globe. Abdullah got a lot of interest for us. A lot of people wanted to hear his story, talking about Vince McMahon not wanting to hire him, talking about Bruiser Brody and what they used to do on the road. If you want to go back and listen to our Abdullah the Butcher episode right now, it's episode 19. Number three, very nice lady, Melina Perez joined us on the show. Melina came in talking a lot about her introduction to the wrestling business, being under the tutelage of Eddie Guerrero um, and just her time in this business. Melina Perez, such a nice lady. Great episode. If you want to go listen to it right now, episode 21. Just one we just had a few weeks ago to close out 2023, Swerve Strickland, episode 42. Swerve came on to talk about his feuds with Keith Lee, and John Moxley, and wanting to dethrone MJF. In fact, episode 42 seemed to influence an angle, a, a face-off with Swerve Strickland and MJF on Dynamite the night we put out that episode. So going ringside is influencing actual wrestling angles. I couldn't be more excited about that. And then 27, a somber episode, Mike Rotunda, the father of Bray Wyatt, joined us. In the days after we learned of Bray Wyatt's death, we were joined by Mike Rotunda, um, and we, we talked a little about how proud he was of his sons, both Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. Uh, that was a very uh, important episode. On that episode, we were also rejoined by Abdullah the Butcher as we honored Terry Funk. He died within days of Bray Wyatt as well. So that's an important episode, episode 27. Let's go to 6 through 10. 
Episode 40, Candace Michelle, the Go Daddy Girl, and one of the top divas of the 2000s. Candace Michelle was a great interview. Uh, she talked to us a lot about getting into this business after becoming a, a kind of a viral sensation following the Super Bowl in 2005. Very nice lady. And a homegrown talent here in Florida, Alicia Fox, better known as Victoria Crawford, who will be at the Duval Brawl, joined us. Alicia Fox, just an amazing performer. Um, she was in the Totally Divas and was with WWE, I think it was like for 17 years. That's episode 28. Um, we talked to her shortly after she departed WWE, now going under her real name, Victoria Crawford. But the Alicia Fox episode 28. Now, a guy you may not remember, and I loved this episode. Episode 39 comes at number eight. That would be Duke the Dumpster Drossy. So we did an episode on um, WWF in the 90s, and Duke the Dumpster Drossy was a star in the mid-90s for WWF, giving us a lot of interesting backstage gossip on, like, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, The Click, um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, as he was gradually becoming famous what Shane McMahon was like when he was getting into the business. Just a great episode talking about WWF in the 90s with Duke the Dumpster Gross. He came in at number eight for us. That's episode 39. And then another homegrown talent, Elijah Burke, a.k.a. DePope, joined us. He came in at number nine. That's episode 23. Elijah Burke is a friend of the show. We've had him on a few times. He's putting on that Duval brawl that we talked about. Loved having Elijah sit down with us, tell us his story going into WWE and then feuding with Devon Dudley and TNA. Uh, so Elijah Burke, that came in at number nine in 2023, episode 23. And coming in, rounding out the top 10 was our inaugural episode, our very first episode of Going Ringside from way back in March where a couple of our highest profile guests we had were good old JR Jim Ross and Paul White. You knew him as the big show back in the day joined us, uh, and that was our very first episode of Going Ringside. Uh, and if you want to go listen to that in the archives right now, where we kind of introduced our show, why we're doing this in Jacksonville, Florida, and JR and Paul White, a.k.a. The Big Show, joined us on the show that day. So if you want to go look at, those are our top 10 podcast guest shows from... Uh, to, uh, 2023, and I say they're the episodes of the guests. We did a lot of episodes um, that did really well that weren't about guests. Uh, they didn't have guests on. We did a, a look back at the Chris Benoit tragedy, the Jimmy Snuka murder allegations, that time Chris Jericho had his AEW title belt stolen in the city of Tallahassee, Florida, an untold story. We got the police reports. All this stuff happened in 2023. Go check it out right now. Just a lot happened in 2023, and we expect 2024 to be much, much bigger. And we are going to start off 2024 um, with, uh, I guess, a somber episode, an episode that I think is really topical, really timely. To my director, I don't want to call for any of our uh, images yet. I'll call for those in a little while. But today, we are going to talk about the tragedy of the Von Erich family. Um, that would be... Fritz Von Erich and his six children, Jack Jr., David, Mike, Kevin, Carrie, Chris. Um, a, a horrific story. So horrific, so um, important to the history of the pro wrestling world that a new 
movie has been made about it. Now we can put that on the screen. That would be uh, Iron Claw. These are some images of the brand new Iron Claw movie of the tragedy of the Von Erich family. Iron Claw was, of course, a signature move of many people, in, many members of the Von Erich family. And they put that gripping claw on your face, and essentially their opponents would, um, you know, pass out. Zac Efron is in the movie. MJF actually has a role in the movie, um, and it talks about the tragedy of the Von Erichs. Um, so I want to talk a little about who the Von Erich family was and what their story is and why they are so tragic. And there's an image of the actor playing the dad, the patriarch of the Von Erich family, and that would be Fritz Von Erich. So let's talk about who they were. Fritz Von Erich was an old school wrestler from back in the day. His real name actually is Jack, Jack Adkisson. And he was born in the 19, I believe I wanna say 29, he was a, he was a, he was a depression era child. He grew up and eventually married his wife, I believe, in 1950. And Jack Adkisson wrestled much of his career in the 1960s and 1970s, back in the territorial days. And let me talk a little about what the territorial days were, because I think it is important to understand this story. Before Vince McMahon in the mid-1980s took the World Wrestling Federation to a national and eventual global brand, um, there were territories of different wrestling promotions around the country. Vince McMahon eventually put them all out of business and kind of took over the industry, so to speak. So before that, McMahon and his father, they ran the WWF, and uh, prior to that, the WWWF, the Worldwide Wrestling Federation in the Northeast. Down here in Florida, we had Florida wrestling. Dusty Rhodes was a big part of that. Just to the north of where we're at, we had Georgia Championship Wrestling in Mid-Atlantic. That was the stuff that eventually became WCW and was owned by Ted Turner, and they had Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. Out in Texas, one of the big promotions was World Class Championship Wrestling, WCCW. And all these different patchwork of organizations around the country were governed by an unofficial wrestling body called the National Wrestling Alliance, or the NWA. And all the promoters who own these different territories would come together and they would decide on the champion. For much of the era we're going to talk about, the champion was Ric Flair. He was the guy that they all decided would be the champion that would carry the banner. Eventually, the WWF went their own way, put everyone out of business when they, through cable television, made themselves a national brand and took over the industry. We're going to talk a lot about the territorial days here. So Fritz Von Erich, real name Jack Adkisson, wanted to be a bad guy. He wanted to be a heel back in the 1960s and become um, something that people would really hate. So he came up with a gimmick that today would not be allowed on television. But in the 1960s, at the height of the Cold War, it was. He wanted to be a bad guy. He wanted to be the best bad guy there was that everyone hated and booed. And he took on the character of a Nazi. And he would go down to the ring and portray himself as a Nazi. And he took on a more German-sounding name and changed his and made his character name 
Fritz von Erich, a very German-sounding name. And when he wrestled in the 1960s and eventually 1970s, he was one of the best heels of the industry known as Fritz von Erich, a Nazi. And fans booed him, fans hated him. So back in that day, because wrestling was a hard industry, it was not a glamorous industry, even though in some level it was on television, it wasn't the glitzy, glamour, massive global juggernaut it is today. It was all these independent promotions, and the wrestlers honestly didn't make a lot of money. So from a business model perspective, a wrestler's goal was always to become the booker, the guy who ran the territory, ran the promotion, essentially the business owner, let's call it in layman's terms. And that was the goal. That's what, if you were a wrestler as a young man, your goal was to become the booker. By booker, you decide who your championship is, who wins, who loses, who's the star, who's the villain, and you make the money and you pay everyone. That's the goal. It makes good business sense. And Fritz von Erich, which he, I'm going to call him Fritz von Erich from now on. He was never, I had to look up that his real name was Jack Adgeson, so we'll call him Fritz von Erich in the show because that's important. Eventually became the booker of world-class championship wrestling in Texas. And Fritz von Erich and his wife had six children. Before Fritz von Erich got into wrestling, there was tragedy in his family before he was in wrestling in the year 1959. Now this predates the wrestling story, but it's important. I think it was their firstborn, Jack Jr. When he was six years old in 1959, um, the, I, I read some of the stories that he had touched something that had an electrical current in it and was shocked very badly by it, almost to the point of electrocution, fell into a large puddle face first and drowned. And there's not a lot written on it, but that, that is kind of how their family started in a very tragic, horrible fashion. When Jack Jr., uh, Jack Adkisson Jr., passed away at the age of six. Um, in, in the years after, Fritz von Erich, who he became, started wrestling. And so, you know, their family grew at this point. Eventually, uh, Fritz von Erich and his wife Doris had six children, all boys. You had Jack Jr. who had passed away. You had David, Mike, Chris, Carrie, and Kevin. Kevin, by the way, is the only surviving Von Erich's son, and we'll get to why here. So one of the goals of a lot of wrestling performers, promoters rather, is particularly in the eras of the like 1960s and 1970s and to a point the 80s, was to get your children in it and make them wrestlers and make them the stars of the promotion, then eventually you can hand off the business to your children. Uh, a lot of wrestlers did this. Uh, in the AWA, which is kind of based in Minnesota, the promoter was pretty well-known named Vern Gagne. He made his son, Greg Gagne, the champion and one of the faces of the company. And I remember watching Greg Gagne as a kid. I'm like, that guy doesn't look like a big muscle-bound star, but his dad was the guy in charge. Dusty Rhodes did it to a point with his son, Dustin Rhodes, who you know better as Goldust today. Um, and Dustin Rhodes, when um, around the late 1980s, was um, Dusty Rhodes was running uh, WCW, and he made his son one of the stars, Dustin Rhodes. 
Well, this happened with the Von Erich family. And Fritz Von Erich made his children the stars, but there was something about the Von Erichs that's important and cannot be overlooked. Because when the Von Erich family, rather before 1980, a lot of wrestlers, if you look back at old black and white video wrestling, these were not leading men guys. They looked like your dad was wrestling or the, or the guy down the street. They weren't just handsome, muscularly built guys. It was guys like Gorilla Monsoon and others. And there were some, but in general, they didn't have the look. It wasn't really the TV age yet for pro wrestling. The guys that you see today, like your Rock, John Cena, Randy Orton, um, and others that just, you know, jacked, gorgeous guys who could do movies, some of them are because they look so good, leading men's style. That didn't really exist before 1980. But the Von Erich boys did look like movie stars. Muscular, athletic looking. Kerry Von Erich looked as good as any guy on television. I mean, because in the early 1980s, your stars are guys like Burt Reynolds. Well, Kerry Von Erich and the Von Erich boys looked even better than that. And they had already grown up as celebrities in the spotlight because back in the 70s and 80s, pro wrestling was, in a lot of respects, considered a real sport back then. By the mid to late 1980s, the curtain was started to be pulled back and people started to realize this is not real. This is a pre-scripted sport. This is, as some call it, fake. Um, but I mean, another example is the Rocks family. They were put over in their Hawaiian territory by the dad and the mom who were running the territory. Um, anyway, so the Rock you know, he was brought up in the family. And the Von Erichs were the same thing. And the Von Erichs looked good. They looked like movie stars. And they were so incredibly popular when they were brought in that they brought in a fan base that you almost never saw in wrestling arenas in this amount in Texas, because they were based in Texas. Huge state, huge territory. Young females. The Von Erichs were in their area like rock stars. Think the Beatles. Think Elvis. And, and I've heard it said that they, you know, you compare in Texas where they were at the Von Erich boys to other A-list male movie stars, the Von Erichs were above. And they had something that wrestling provided that the movie industry didn't. You could actually go see these guys in real life when they'd wrestle at the Sportatorium or some arena in Dallas or wherever, you could actually go down there, buy a ticket with your family and see them in real life and the crowds would be huge and they loved the Von Erichs. The Von Erich boys were portrayed as the great heroes of world-class championship wrestling that the fans loved. And the women, the young females would go and they would scream and they would reach for them, give them kisses. They were heartthrobs in a wrestling industry that didn't have a lot of that prior to 1980. The Von Erich boys were teenage heartthrobs, beloved, heroes when wrestling was considered real, muscular, good-looking guys. The fan base loved, the state of Texas loved. 
and wrestling was very well protected as an industry at that point. You didn't know the backstory people, you didn't know what happened behind the scenes. They would come on local television in Texas there and be portrayed as superheroes with big muscular good physiques. And fans couldn't get enough. And they, and, and um, David was maybe considered one of their best. And David Von Erich was doing well. And David and, and Carrie, I think, were kind of the, and, and Kevin, who's still with us, were some of your best ones. But tragedy started to come back to the Von Erich family in 1984. David Von Erich was wrestling in Japan. And he was with uh, another famous wrestler, a big monster from that era, from that, from world class, Bruiser Brody. Um, a guy that uh, old school wrestling fans really love, Bruiser Brody. And David Von Erich was found dead in a hotel room in 1984 in Tokyo. Bruiser Brody found him. And the official cause of death, and keep in mind this has been 1980s Japan, where wrestler, wrestling in Japan is huge, if you didn't know, and the wrestlers are really elevated and prestigious in Japan. Um, the cause of death by police in Japan was considered what was called enteritis, an, an issue in the stomach. And keep in mind, David Von Erich's only 25 years old. 25-year-old men don't drop dead from medical causes. Very unusual. And a lot of speculation in the wrestling industry, in fact, Ric Flair wrote about it in his autobiography, that the vast majority of wrestlers in the industry don't believe enteritis was his cause of death. They believe he died of uh, some sort of drug overdose. Because if you didn't know, when we've talked about it, go back and listen to our Jake the Snake Roberts episode, very eye-opening about what it was like to be on the road in wrestling. It's a hard, particularly back then, not as much today, thankfully. It's gotten better. But back in the 70s and 80s, you're going town to town, not a lot of money, um, living, in, living on the road in motels, night after night after night. And the brutality these wrestlers in that era put their body through is unparalleled. Another episode that we've had on Going Ringside, Ken Shamrock one of the greatest uh, legitimate pro fighters in the world in his day, talked to me, said wrestling was 10 times harder than UFC. Because in UFC, you fight, and then you don't fight again for a month. In wrestling, you fight even though it's scripted. It's a fake form of entertainment, as they call it. You, the brutality of your body is still real. You're still taking punches. You're still taking kicks. You're still landing on the concrete. And then you get up and do it again the next day, six days a week doubles on Sundays. The brutality the body would go through for a pro wrestler was incredible. And so David Von Erich and a lot of wrestlers in that era, you know, what do you do? You got to medicate it as you go town to town and, and international. I mean, he's wrestling in Japan. So the belief is among wrestlers, according to Flair and others, that David Von Erich OD'd. And they believe that Bruiser Brody, who's no longer with us, that's another, that's another show for another time, um, flushed all the drugs down the toilet before um, law enforcement can find it. Because if the Von Erich boys, you know, the story that David Von Erich died by enteritis is much more palatable to the fan base than to find out that he overdosed on drugs. 
because the curtain had not been pulled back on the wrestling world. And these guys were superheroes. To find out that there may have been drugs involved would not have been good. The outpouring of support for the Von Erich family in Texas and around the country was incredible following David's death. And they did a memorial show. I think it was in Dallas, but I know it was in Texas. They had, I think, 42,000 plus arrive at the show. I think at the time it was the biggest um, pro wrestling show in history um, for a live event in North America. And it, the outpouring of support was incredible, and it also showed how important the Von Erichs were in the wrestling industry. As we talked about at the top of the show, the NWA decides on who the champion was, and they almost would never decide to take the title off of Ric Flair. He was the national poster boy for the industry. He would go to all the different promotions and be the champion, and the top stars would feud with Ric Flair. But they would never have him drop the title because he was important to all the territories all over the country. But that night, because the, the death of David Von Erich was so impactful, they decided to have Ric Flair drop the title to carry Von Erich. And if you go back and look at the old images of the Von Erich boys, as, as you know, good-looking and strong as I said they were, Carrie was the supermodel of them. He was the guy who could have been on a magazine cover anywhere in the world. And Carrie Von Erich was given the NWA champion. It was a huge deal um, for the Von Erich family and really for the wrestling industry and world-class in the state of Texas. But if you watch the Dark Side of the Ring episode on this, you will see that... Um, the family never truly got over it. They never totally got past the loss of David Von Erich. It hit them hard. They were never truly the same. But they had to keep going and keep running their wrestling promotion. Um, and eventually, they needed someone, because Kerry was wrestling, they needed someone to kind of fill David's shoes. So one of the wrestlers they brought in, they started to bring up Mike DiBiase. Mike DiBiase um, was, the, the, the accounts are he didn't really want to be a wrestler. He it just wasn't, he didn't want to do it. But, you know, the kids wanted to be like dad. They wanted to make dad proud. This was the family business and David had just died and they needed someone to step in. So Mike stepped in and started wrestling. Um, but, there were problems for Mike as a wrestler. He had a bad injury internationally where he almost died. The Dark Side of the Ring episode kind of just goes over this a lot and they bring him back to Texas and it was believed that he wouldn't make it, that he would die. But miraculously, he, he, he survived and, and was able to be nursed back to health somewhat. And there was a lot of controversy because this was a public thing because wrestling was mainstream back then and it was believed to be real. So the fact that a Von Erich this, in this tragic family, almost another Von Erich had almost died was big news then. And I think they say that um, when, when Mike was in the hospital, they had to bring in extra operators to the hospital for all the people calling to see how he was. Um, but eventually he miraculously was nursed back to health. And Mike DiBiase was probably brought back too soon. Many people have said he probably shouldn't have ever wrestled again. Um, and he had problems. And 
then eventually drugs started to play a role. And this is where the mystique of the um, Von Erich family really started to be affected because Mike uh, Von Erich was arrested uh, for drug possession. And shortly after his arrest in 1987, Mike Von Erich took his own life through a drug overdose. And they were not able to hide that. That came out in the news that one of the Von Erichs had killed himself. That was really the, the beginning of losing the fan base um, because when David died, the community and the state mourned with them. But when Mike died, there was some crime involved. There was a suicide, and that was a little harder. And one of the things they did along the way, you know, to keep the promotion going was they needed another Von Erich. They didn't, they were as horrible as it sounds, they were running out of Von Erichs. So they brought in a guy who was not really a Von Erich name. His real name is William Kevin Ricky Vaughn. They brought in and portrayed him as Lance Von Erich and said, he's one of our Von Erichs. He's a good looking, strong guy. But the fans knew, fans knew that's not really a Von Erich. The fans knew, you're lying to us. This is fake. He's not a Von Erich and you're portraying him as that. And that hurt the business even more. And along the way, one of the other brothers, Chris, wanted to be a wrestler too. Now keep in mind what's happening with Chris. He's lost now two of his brothers he knew. I, I don't include Jack in that because Jack died in the 1950s. But Chris Von Erich had lost two of his brothers in recent years. So obviously the family is just decimated. And this is horrible. And Chris Von Erich wanted to be a wrestler really, really bad by all accounts. But the problem was Chris did not have the athletic gifts of his brothers. He was shorter in stature. The, the height I was given was he was only five foot four. It is very hard to be a star pro wrestler and you're only five foot four. But he wanted it to be one. And he also had other medical problems, uh, the ones that they write up on the articles out there, asthma and brittle bones. And he was extremely frustrated. He tried and he tried and he tried, but he couldn't make it as a wrestler with the health setbacks, the short stature, and it was very hard on Chris. Um, but Chris Benoit, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, not Chris Benoit, Chris Von Erich, um, wanted to be a wrestler. And Chris Von Erich eventually passed away when he took his own life. So frustrated, he shot himself in the head. Let me see the year on that. That would have been um, 1991, and he was only 21 years old. At this point, world-class championship wrestling had essentially died as a territory, and Vince McMahon had... Um, taken over the, the industry. All that was really left at the, by, by the turn of the, going to the 80s and the 90s was NWA World Championship Wrestling stuck around and eventually grew and became competition. But all the other territories, your AWA, your World Class, your Mid-South, uh, Portland Wrestling out in the Northwest, the stuff out in California uh, and, and in St. Louis, it all died. And the Von Erichs lost their territory. So at this point, you only had two Von Erich children left. You had 
uh, Kevin, who, as I said, is still with us today, and Carrie Von Erich. And really, the last real venture in wrestling came around the 1990s, around the time Chris had died, when Vince McMahon brought in Kerry Von Erich, because Vince was now the big time. WWF was a global juggernaut by this point, and Vince McMahon brought in Kerry Von Erich. But Kerry Von Erich was hiding a secret that I honestly didn't know about till I heard some shows on this a few years ago. Kerry Von Erich didn't have a foot. I mean, that's blunt, but that's the case. He had a, an, uh, some sort of, I think it was a motorcycle accident and ran into, I wanna say it was a police cruiser and had very bad damage to his, his leg and they portrayed it as an angle in world class. Kerry is rehabilitating from this injury but they kept a secret how bad it was that he eventually lost his foot. And I honestly don't know how he did it. If he used a prosthetic or what he used, but he would hide the injury and hide that he didn't have a foot with his wrestling boot. And he was such a gifted athlete, he still was able to wrestle. Not as well, but he hit it and you never knew that Kerry Von Erich was wrestling without a foot. He had two long wrestling boots on, so you couldn't tell. He still looked good, still was a tremendous looking guy. And Kerry Von Erich went to the World Wrestling Federation wrestling without a foot, and no one knew. He kept it a very, very guarded secret. The family would not tell anyone that Kerry didn't have a foot because it would ruin his mystique. He thought it would ruin him as a wrestler. I, I think I heard Jim Cornette or someone say, if they had just been open about it, they may have been able to get the fans behind him and like he's overcoming this disability, but they didn't. He wanted to keep it secret. He was embarrassed and self-conscious about it. And he went in and Vince McMahon did not want him to use the Von Erich name, which if you know Vince McMahon's history, he liked to build his own stars. He did not like to take stars from other companies, which he did, and not have them be his branding. Uh, I can think of a lot. Steve Austin, Mick Foley, Diesel, Razor Ramon, all had been wrestling in other names in other places, uh, but when they came to the World Wrestling Federation, Vince wanted to name them. Vince wanted to give them the gimmick. There had been a few who were able to overcome it. Ric Flair, most notably. The Road Warriors, to a point, who were called Legion of Doom in WWF. But for the, uh, I think, Vader. But for the most part, Vince didn't like to bring in guys who he didn't create. Their aura, their mystique. And so when they brought him in, they actually had him get rid of the Von Erich name, which is kind of hard to believe because the Von Erichs were so well known in the industry. They had such an iconic name. That was Kerry Von Erich's main claim to fame was his last name was Von Erich. Um, but they called him the Texas Tornado. I think they did use the Von Erich name and I was a kid watching it and I still knew the Von Erichs where I'd heard of them. I didn't get world class where I grew up, but I knew I'd heard of the Von Erichs. They were just legendary in the business. So Kerry goes to WWF, which is national and then and, and global. It was the big time. It was national. But Kerry never really took off in WWF because the demons of his horrible, horrible life and past were coming back. And by horrible life, I mean the loss of his brothers. At this point, you know, he had, he had had the injury. He was dealing with substance abuse issues. And Bret Hart, in his autobiography, even said... Um, that he had had a conversation with um, Carrie that he just wanted to go be with his brothers. 
and the Hart family had as their own tragedy in the years past that. They lost uh, Owen, of course, and eventually Davy Boy Smith. Um, and they, they've had their own, and Jim Neidhart died in more recent years. But, uh, you know, they dealt with their own tragedies. And, and then they were very close to Brian Pillman, uh, who, who lost his life early. Um, but back to Carrie. Carrie, eventually, the demons were so bad, and I think he had marital issues throughout this time. And in 1993, Carrie Von Erich, like his brothers who preceded him, killed himself. He shot himself in 1993, and he was only 33 years old. So at the end of Fritz Von Erich and Doris, his wife, they eventually separated, and I honestly don't know if that was due I'm assuming it had to have done with the tragedies in their family, um, was, you know, died in the, I think, late 1990s, and five of his six sons had died before him, almost all in tragic fashions, all young. The, the phrase, the Von Erich curse, has become popular in wrestling circles because they are the most tragic family Five of six children died. The movie Iron Claw is out there now. Um, uh, MJF is, by the way, in it. I, I want to say he plays Lance. I'm not, I'm not positive on that. Um, but it, if you see wrestling fans, it did moderately okay at the box office. I've been kind of monitoring it. Not bad, not good, but fairly well for a wrestling movie. Um, it did well, and... It's getting good reviews from wrestling fans, but it is a sad, sad story as we just documented here. The Von Erich story is a tragic one. It is a tragic, tragic tale of what happened to them. And, and it is sad. Fortunately, Kevin Von Erich is still with us. In fact, Kevin Von Erich is still doing well. He, he was recently on AEW. They brought him back to honor the Von Erich family and their heritage and what they meant to the wrestling industry. He's on an AEW Dynamite uh, recently. I think you can go check it out. It's not hard to find on YouTube. Um, and I think he did the claw, the iron claw, that, that gripping, finishing move that the Von Erichs were so known for. Um, so their story is a, is a tragedy. It couldn't be more sad of all these guys who had all the, the ability and star power in the world, but the, the hardships of, of, of wrestling and family life and, and dealing with the loss of brothers and celebrity was, was a tragic, tragic story. And I wanted to document it here on Going Ringside, particularly because I knew the movie was coming out. But um, they are one of the greatest families of all time in pro wrestling because of what they meant to the industry. They never really had the national exposure that other families did, but they were certainly iconic in the United States. Um, and, and I want to I go to a little more positive note on the show right now and talk about, you know, the Von Erichs aren't the only great wrestling family out there. There have been other great wrestling families. And I want to talk about that again. We've talked about it before here on the show, but I want to do it again uh, with the Von Erichs in mind. So I brought in some of the Brain Trust here, our producers here at Going Ringside, to start discussing the greatest families in history of wrestling and sit down with them and talk this out. So here's our interview with a couple of our producers, uh, Jason Mealy and Rory Thompson here at Going Ringside, as we discuss the greatest families in the history of pro wrestling. 
Well, we're joined now by the Brain Trust here at Going Ringside, Jason Mealy and Rory Thompson, our producers here at the show, to talk about something we've talked about before on the podcast, but I wanted to revisit now that we're discussing the Von Erich family. That'd be the most influential and greatest wrestling families of all time. Obviously, the Von Erichs are in the conversation. They, of course, are a tragedy uh, for what happened to many of their family members, but um, they are, you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time. Uh, so influential, particularly Carrie, um, you know, having a, a run in WWF for a while. But Rory, let me start with you. Top wrestling families. What say you? Um, well, I say the heart dynasty is definitely a family that, um, you know, transcends wrestling. Um, I don't think we would have had wrestling as it is right now without the Hart family. Um, and then, of course, you know, the Anawaii family, The Rock, Roman Reigns, Solo School. Well, let's back up real quickly. So you mentioned the Hart family. That's that's multiple generations there. You know, you had Stu is the grandfather, and he started Calgary Stampede Wrestling. Then you have Brett and Owen and more of your generation now still to – and Davey Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart. And to this day, uh, Rory, even your generation is still – a big part of the Hart dynasty. Yeah, I mean, Natalia is doing her thing still. Uh, she's still kicking it, and she's getting the new generation of uh, wrestlers into it. So it definitely is some is a family that I feel that has, you know, transcended all of wrestling. And you mentioned the Anawai family, and we've discussed them on the podcast. You can go back and watch our episode of The Rise of the Anawai family. You know, we've made the discussion, maybe the greatest wrestling family of all time, Rory. They're a huge family. No, they're, they're so big, and it's just like more of them are coming. Um, there's, you know, I think it's Jacob Fatu. He's in, um, like, I think he's in GCW right now. But they have so many of them coming up. That it's going to be crazy to see their rise just keep so, going. like, they really peaked, Jason. Let me get your opinion on Anna Wise real quickly. They really peaked, obviously, with The Rock and Roman. They had other greats like Yoko Zuna and others. Could you see their family continuing to have star power like they've had, or do you think, you know, they hit the peak with Rock and Roman? Oh, I don't, that's I don't a, think that's a pretty good peak. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they, no one might not be as big as The Rock, but Rory just mentioned Jacob Fatu. I mean, he might be one of the best ones ever, and he's not in WWE yet. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he's he's very, very good. I've, I've seen some of his stuff when he was in MLW. So, I want to get your opinion. These young Anawai families, be it from Office family, Sika's family, whoever, could you see Tony Khan and AEW kind of wanting to snag some Anawais? Because, you know, they've been such a WWE thing when they've gone global. Could you think that would be something Tony Khan would want to try and pick up? Uh, if, if he's smart, yeah. I think any wrestling promoter would want to pick any single one of them up. Uh, the, but now we're talking who's the promoter with the deepest pockets. Uh, yeah. WWE and Tony Khan. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see it. If any of them wants to walk into Impact tomorrow, you know, I'm sure the door would be wide open. MLW or Game Changer, any any independent, I'm sure the I'm sure the door is wide open for any of any of those who would want to do it. Well, beyond the Anawai, Jason, tell me some other big families, because there's been some very iconic families. And let's keep the McMahons out of it, because 
they're their own type of family. They they own essentially the company. Um, but who else beyond uh, the NOIs? Well, uh, we can go with uh, what Cody's uh, ring uh, entrance music says. Has more than one royal family. Got to yeah. be the Rhodes. Yeah. What about, and we, we did an episode, you can go back and look at our uh, tribute to Bray Wyatt episode. What about the Rotunda family, the Wyndham Rotunda? Um, you know, Mike Rotunda, Barry Wyndham, sadly Bray Wyatt, who passed away earlier this year. Uh, well, I guess we're in the new year now, last year. Um, but, you know, the, the Wyndham and Rotunda family's done a lot. They have, and who knows if, if Bo Dallas is someone else who, who we didn't mention. Yeah. And, you know, there's teasers of maybe he comes back and carries the Bray Wyatt mantle. Maybe he comes back. The Rotundas are definitely there. You know, you, you know, got the whole IRS gimmick. Sure. What about the Flares? Do they get into that conversation? Because it's really Rick and Charlotte. Do you think they're considered... I mean, obviously, they're a wrestling family. I mean, they obviously are. But do you think they're one of the greats, Rory? Or do you think because it's really only two of them with Rick and Charlotte, they would need to add more family members? Um, I think, yeah, they definitely need to add more. I mean, if we're talking father, uh, daughter, or like a, just like a two-generation period, yeah. I feel like they're one of the biggest two generational family wrestling families. Um, but then you have to look at people like Randy Orton or, you know, even Braun Breaker right now. Um, and NXT is definitely someone who they feel is going to, you know, be the next big person. In WWE. The Orton family is interesting because I think Randy's like a third or fourth generation wrestler. So they're, their legacy has been there a while. Jason, I want to throw this to you. Another family that doesn't get mentioned very much, mainly because they're in the headlines for other reasons, but it's technically a third generation is the DiBiase family. Uh, you have Ted, Ted Jr., and I think their grandfather, Mike DiBiase. Um, do you think that there's a black eye there because they're dealing with some ongoing uh, legal issues in, uh, in uh, Mississippi? And there's probably that, and maybe... Ted Jr. didn't have as the big of run that uh, the Million Dollar Man had. You know, he yeah. was kind of kind of here for maybe here and here and gone almost. And then it it's been so long since uh, Legacy was together with uh, Ted and Randy and Cody. So I, I maybe I, I would keep the DiBiase's out of that. Maybe and maybe it's a generational thing. I didn't know of the Million Dollar Man's. Father, I just knew of you know Ted. Yeah, I mean he was he was a good worker in the territory days. Not, I mean Ted Senior is the star yeah. of that family. Um, the other one, this is touches on something we've talked about, and we've talked about the the Jimmy Snuka murder investigation. But the Snuka family's had a few generational. They've had a few of his children um, in this. Have the Snukas done much? I'm and I'm talking the second generation, not Jimmy himself. Um, I can't even name anyone right now off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, makes the case for them. Um, I mean, who knows? Because wrestling is always, uh, just changes every day. Someone's going to probably come up from that family. So I think if you have that wrestling background, it's always good. But I mean, you never know because like Ricky, the steamboat, um dragons uh dragon yeah 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 Ricky yeah he's his son uh was in NXT for all well, not NXT it was like whatever it was beforehand and they just said 
he wasn't it. He didn't have it. And so that I, fascinates I think it, me because his dad was one of the greatest of all time. That yeah. surprises me. So, I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Like Ava right now is an NXT and she's the rock's daughter. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting to see if she can get to those levels right now. I don't think she's there. She's still very green in a ring and even green on a mic. So I think that's going to be interesting to see her rise. I think it's always, a, it's interesting to see these second generation have to overcome their parents. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Brian Pillman Jr. right now is doing his own thing as Lexus That's King. true. Yeah, the Pillmans. Yeah, like, yeah that's a good one. Like I said, Braun Breaker, you know, even though he's, you know, Rick Steiner's son, you know, everyone sees him as his own thing, kind of. So I think it's so interesting to see that. Yeah, the Steiners, I mean, that's three, uh, Braun Breaker and then, Rick and Scott. Yeah, that's that's not bad. Um, let's do this. Let's let's close it up here. Jason, Rory, let me start with you, Rory. Top three wrestling families. Uh categorize it however you want. Why you think they're the top three? Um, I, I definitely this NOI, the hearts. And I know we didn't want to put them in there, but the McMahons. I yeah. have I have to put him in the top three. I, I understand. I understand. Um, I mean, even just as wrestling, I like, mean, they did wrestle. wrestle. I mean, they did all wrestle. Vince, and, Jane, Steph, Triple H, obviously, and, and with I the think, addition. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think that makes them? I mean, with when Triple H married into the family, do you think that makes them a little more legit wrestling family, as just opposed to Vince? You know, the promoters' family. I mean, the addition of Triple H. I think they were always legit. Um, I mean, Shane, Shane is one of the best wrestlers that isn't a full-time wrestler, in my opinion. He's, yeah. He takes it very seriously, and he does stuff that most wrestlers won't do. So I, I think they've been legit. It's just, uh, you know, having that actual wrestler who does it full-time or used to do it full-time definitely mm-hmm. adds to their family. And I've seen some of those photos. There's this one floating around of Vince's grandson who looked just like a young Vince McMahon. I don't know if you've seen that floating around. Jason, your top three all time. Uh, Got to be the Anawahi family. Uh, yeah. as, as for, for reasons we've mentioned, I know every sure. time we watch and there's, and there's somebody new, you know, mm-hmm. my wife will look at me like, how many are there in this family? <laughs> and it's, it's, I don't know. I don't it know. Like it's endless. Uh, I think I'll yeah, do a math I, uh, problem someday uh, to yeah. figure out the numbers. Yeah, by the uh, whole family tree program, so to, yeah. to figure that out. Um, yeah, I definitely would have to put the roads as there, uh, even though it's uh, you know co- legendary Dusty Cody's getting a, as big a name, and can't forget Dustin. And uh, you know, we third one is the third one is kind of tough because uh, uh, there, there's just so many of them out there. Yeah. But you know, I would. I would probably go with maybe the Ortons. I mean, Randy Orton's one of the biggest stars ever. And and I always, I just, I remember his dad, Cowboy Bob Orton. And I don't know if he still has the broken arm. He, I think, you know, I almost interviewed him last year at the wrestling convention. I almost want to do an episode with him. I hope to run into him again. I don't know if his arm's still broken. It's. I think it's yeah. been broken for about forty-five years now. It may have been. I yeah. think. I mean, obviously, I think we're going to all be collectively say Anna Y for uh, number one. Our twos and threes separate. Um, I would have to, if we're going to include the McMahons, I'd say they're number two. But I'm not going to include them for the sake of argument here. Um, I think I'll put Von Erichs as number two. They did not have the national uh, exposure that the others did because they only Kerry went to the WWF. 
But I think I think Impact and the fact that a movie is out about them now, I mean, there's not a lot of wrestling movies out there. And the fact that they were so iconic that they could make that, I'm going to put the Von Erichs. And, and honestly, I will say, and, and I'll put the hearts number three, but I, I want to close with this. Because this episode is about mostly the Von Erichs, do you think... You know, and we talk about what makes a family iconic. So, like, let's look at the NYs. The Rock and Roman are obviously at the top, and then they've had all these others like Yokozuna and stuff. The Hearts, Brett. But do you think that the fact that the Iron Claw movie is out there raises the Von Erich stock value as far as legendary families a little? Because that's mainstream, like a Hollywood movie. I mean, it's, it was made independently, but it's, you know, released in theaters, a major Hollywood movie. Um, and that's the type of stuff that really matters in the wrestling industry. Do you think that a major movie made about their family kind of increases their kind of stock as far as fame and legendary status? Um, I, I will say yes. You know, as a, you know, in the younger generation, I have a lot of friends who right now who aren't. I, I went to school for film, so I have a lot of film friends. And then I also, you know, like wrestling, so I have a lot of wrestling friends. And it's so interesting to see the different, you know, viewpoints going into the film. My wrestling friends are like, oh, I want to see something about the Von Erics. And then my film friends are like, oh, I want to see this film about wrestling and don't know anything about the history. And I think that's going to help, you know, get the brand up. There's talks about doing more movies about wrestlers. Someone set through around Eddie Guerrero as uh, somebody to put in. And I think that's definitely going to help wrestling grow because wrestling for a long time is kind of, or at least recently has kind of gotten out of the pop culture aspect of, you know, everyone is not watching wrestling anymore, but yeah. I think like movies like the iron claw and stuff like heels, the TV show are definitely going to help, you know, big, bring these brands up so i mean we had young rock so maybe we'll get you know the whole family next time maybe uh jason and i'm sorry and i should well, know I gonna, this i was gonna, gonna chime in that it is it is raising the the van the von eric name the the sons they were on aew uh just yep. recently and uh and carrie was with them as well and you know he got a huge pop when he came out so it's not carrie it was the bro carrie passed away but it was one of the brothers yeah, yeah. correct correct yes yeah Yes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's big. Was I'm I'm embarrassed. This is why I'm putting this at the end of the show that I should know this off the top of my head. Lacey Evans was she a Von Eric? Lacey Evans was not. There was a Lacey Von Eric. She was she was in TNA for a while, and that's and, and who I was confused with. by. I knew there was a Von Eric there somewhere still doing it. Yes. I, I could have known that. Uh, wrestling fans don't write me. I'm I'm sorry. I, sometimes you don't know everything. Well, thanks guys. I appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next time. So I was glad they could sit and have that discussion, but a, a very sad episode today, talking about the tragedy of the Von Erich family. Five of six children all die uh, by the age of 33. And just, just a horrible story. The Von Erich curse has been legendary in the wrestling world for decades because of what happened to this family over the years. So I wanted to, I wanted to explore that and talk about it because Iron Claw is out. Um, I cannot recommend it enough. All the wrestling fans I've heard from say it's a great movie. If you're a fan, you should go watch it. If you've gotten this late in the episode, you're probably interested, so I'd recommend go watch it. It's a sad one, though, uh, so um, just something to keep in mind. Uh, they've got guys in it like Ric Flair's. Uh, someone plays Ric Flair in the movie, so uh, it's 
definitely got a lot of buzz in the Hollywood world right now, in the movie world. So uh, we wanted to go down and discuss what happened with their family for so many years. But thanks for joining us. we got some big episodes coming very soon in 2024. So we have some exciting stuff on the horizon. So hope you can join us again. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Going Ringside. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.